we doing? Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you. I was out last week. Uh, I got to welcome my newest granddaughter into the world, and uh, she is precious. And I got to welcome our kids from Canada in, and so we have a house full. We have the family all in town, and it's just been an incredible week. It's been awesome. Uh, Heather's birthday was last Monday, and for the first time in years, we were trying to figure out when everybody, all of our family was together in one house. It was amazing. We, we love it. We love it. We love it. Thank you for giving us that time, and, and uh, we're excited. Uh, Abby and Reiner are doing well. They're figuring out the routine, figuring out everything. Um, baby Isla's doing well. She's keeping them up, and uh, she's, she's, she's working on her lungs, man. I think she's going to be a singer because she can scream, and, and uh, it's doing great. She's wonderful. So uh, uh, if this is your first time with us, then you saw a QR code either online or on the seat back in front of you. Just scan that, fill that out. We'd love to connect with you and get some information to you about who we are and uh, just start a dialogue and that connection. Uh, today we're starting a new series called Overcoming. And uh, this, is, uh, this is really just to kind of focus us in because a lot of times we love playing the hero. And we, I mean, guys, we still do it, even when we're grown up. I've been playing with my grandson this week, and, and we've been playing trucks and tractors and all kinds of things. I've been playing with the granddaughters. And, and Winona, my granddaughter, uh, loves playing a princess, and she plays the part very well. And, and so we get to play pretend princess, and, and then she, she likes to be the superhero. And so we all like to write our story where we become the hero. But when we find ourselves in the, in, the, in the Bible, it's not a story about how good people are. It's the truth about how good God is. And when we look at men and women throughout the pages of Scripture, we tend to elevate them as heroes of faith. But in essence, they've just submitted themselves for, the, for, the, for a God to work in them and work through them. And so I want you to just understand that in every story that God is involved in, He is the hero. Now, we get to experience some incredible things when we ride along in His story, but, but ultimately, He's the hero, and, and He's always the overcomer. Every victory, every victory, the battle belongs to the Lord. We just come along for the fight, but He has secured it. He's bought it for us. He's paid for it, and, and we get to come from that place of victory. And in, in this series, we're going to look at several battles that we face uh, where God can work in us uh, to do something incredible through the world. And we're going to look at, over the next several weeks, look at some, some things we find ourselves in where we really need our submission to God and we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us so that he can do something in us so the world around us sees his goodness and his greatness because ultimately it's not about someone else saying how good we are it is about someone else falling on the grace and mercy of Jesus to say how good he is and in this, this, this case we're going to look at this weekend, the response would be, blessed be the God of. I mean, so I don't want somebody to say, Matt, you're so great. I want somebody to see God working in me, and I want them to say, blessed be the God of Matt. The one that you submit to, this Jesus, he is amazing because I see what he's done in you and through you. And Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And uh, while you're catching up, you can follow on the screen or, or you can, uh, you can go, follow along on a YouTube, or not YouTube, what is it called? YouVersion. Um, all these U's in society now. There's YouTube, YouVersion, you this, and me this, and us this, and all that fun stuff. You can follow along on that. We actually put our notes in there. Um, and you find that on the, the event tab. Um, or if you have your Bible, you know, your printed Bible, you know, you can use that as well. Uh, but Jan Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And uh, I got to set this up a little bit because uh, we're going we're gonna to meet three men who really, uh, 
It really turned the tide of a king. And, and, and in Daniel, this is, a, this is a time where the Jews, the nation of the Jews, the Israelites are in captivity in Babylon. They've been, they've been conquered by a king, Nebuchadnezzar. He's brought them in, and he's actually, he, he told his officials to find some, some up-and-coming guys, find some wisdom, and, and bring these guys in so we can teach them our ways and kind of work them through a process. And so he's, he's elevated some people to his courts, his officials. And, and then, and so they're, they're working and they've already, they've already had some clashes a little bit about diet and prayer and uh, they, they kind of held their ground. But, but King Nebuchadnezzar is the, is the king over everything in, in Babylon and he is, uh, uh, you, you could say he's egocentric. I mean, everything is about him. It's, it's, it's all about me. It's all about my fame and my glory. And he gets this brilliant idea to build a 90-foot-tall by 9-foot-wide gold statue and say, that's what we're going to worship. And so he brings the band together. He's got, you know, and I love in, in Daniel 3, he's, he's listing the flutes and the lyres, but he mentions bagpipes. And so I just kind of had a moment like, you know, there's a little bit of Scottish there with God, you know. So uh, he's, he's bringing the bagpipes. And uh, so King Nebuchadnezzar assembles everything. He's got this giant, you know, statue. Ultimately, it's an idol. So he sets this idol in the desert, and he gives a decree. Once you hear the band crank up, everybody in the nation has to bow down and worship this idol, this statue. And so there's some guys that are like, we ain't doing that. And in Daniel chapter 3, we, we pick up uh, that there's these three men. These, uh, they decided, we're not bowing down. So here, here's what you see. The music starts. Everybody's bowing down to this idol, and these three guys are still standing. You know, I think of that song, I'm still standing better than I ever did. I don't know. You don't want to hear me sing. I can clear, clear a room on that. But they don't stand. And so then there's always somebody that has to tell on somebody, right? If you've got multiple kids, you know there's one that's always the tattletale. And they're going to go tell, oh, he's not doing this. So here's what happens. Verse 12 says this. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed. So this, he's saying this to the king. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you got kids and watching VeggieTales, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Okay, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some you don't. Instead of the golden idol, it was the chocolate bunny. Uh, so anyway, you, you, YouTube it. It's a good time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So, so they come and they tell on them. And, and, and let me just kind of give some background on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was not their Jewish names. When they were brought into captivity, they were, they were given names of heathen gods. They, were, they, re, they renamed them because what their mentality was is let's take some, some wise men out of the nation of Israel that we've conquered. Let's bring them in, and we want to teach them our ways. We want to assimilate them into our culture, and, and these names, they can't, they can't rely on these names, but we're giving them new names, and they're named after heathen gods. Let me give you their real name. So Shadrach, his real name is Hananiah, and what Hananiah means is Jehovah. Jehovah is God. Jehovah is gracious. Meshach was Mishael. Mishael means who is like God. And then Abednego, his real name is Azariah, which means Jehovah is my helper. So, so you've got Jehovah is gracious, Jehovah is my helper, and who is like God standing up with the whole nation bowing down to this idol. So you've got gracious, you've got helper, and you've got no one like God. 
that these men have been named after. And they didn't, they didn't fall into their heathen names. They fell into the identity that was given to them from birth. And so they're, 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 that's not who we are. They're standing up, not, not just, they're, look, they're not standing up against the king. They're standing on their identity. Because what they had known, even before captivity, what they had known is God is my helper. God is gracious, and there is no one like God. Jesus, he reigns above everything. God is above everything. The creator and sustainer of everything. He is above it all, and they refuse to bow down. So the king threatens to kill him. He's like, well, okay, so here's what I've got. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've got a furnace over here. And, and so when we hear this story, if you've never heard this story, it's going to be fun to follow along the first time. But if many of you have heard this story. But we tend to think of like this little oven, right? You know, where we bake bread, you know. But he, he, think of an industrial furnace, that you, an incinerator, right? He's like, I've got this incinerator. And what they would use it for in Babylon, it would be a giant oven to make bricks. So they could go in and they could put in and, and run the heat up and cure the bricks so they could do their building. And so he says, I've got this furnace, guys. And, and if you don't bow down, then, then guess where you're going to spend the afternoon? You know, you, you think, <laughs> I can't say that. Um, Catch me after or, or email me. I got a really funny story that I would love to share with you offline, but we can't say it here. But anyway, <laughs> so yes, I got to keep going. So, so he, he, he's going to, he's threatening them into the furnace, but he says, he says, but if you don't worship, you'll immediately be cast in the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So what he's doing, he's setting up, he, he's having this interaction with them, like, so, so if you're unwilling to bow down to this God, so it's a golden statue that is an idol that he's now elevated to a God. He said, if you're not going to bow down to my God, then what God is going to save you? And in, in the text, that's a little g. So, so what little God do you think is going to save you from my furnace? Because a lot of times we'll, we'll start to reconcile, that furnace is real. But I love their response. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, means if if you're going to throw us in, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love the faith and courage in that. I mean, can you picture the scene? I mean, they're, they're brought before the king. They're already captives. They've been conquered. They're captives under this king. They've changed their names. They're, they're trying to take out the Jewish culture, assimilate them into the Babylonian culture. They've got this, this idol that, that they're, he's, they're being demanded to worship. They refuse. There's the furnace you can feel that, right? You can see it. It's tangible. And I love the faith and courage in this because they say, our God is able to deliver us from this. See, a lot of times we will go into a trial. We'll go into a situation going, I know, God, you're bigger than this. I mean, you, you, you may be heading to the doctor's office because they want to sit down and go over the test results. And on the way in, we're like, God, you're bigger than this. God, you're bigger than this. God, you're bigger than this. And when you see the folder on their desk, we start, we start having doubts, right? And you start thinking, God, I hope you're bigger than that. 
because that becomes tangible. But the faith and courage of these men, this is how they respond. But even if he doesn't save us from the furnace, even if you throw us in there, look, we're not bowing down, and if not bowing down means we're going into the fire, so be it. And our God can save us. He is bigger than this. He can deliver us. But if not, I'm still not, I'm still not bowing down. See, faith is God, you're bigger. And the courage with the faith is even if he's not going to deliver me from the fire, he's still got me. I, I get heartbroken because, you know, we'll, 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 we'll pray with people and we'll, we'll spend time anguishing with people over, over tragedies and, and just difficult situations that you're walking through. And, and, and we're, trying to, we're trying to pour faith into you. We're trying to speak life into you. We're trying to speak hope over you. We're trying to speak redemption and healing and blessing over you. And then what happens is when we get in the face of the tangibility, it breaks my heart because people start pulling away from God and going, no, no, I can feel the fire. I can feel the fire. And, 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 and people are like, he was supposed to heal me. He was supposed to save me. He was supposed to deliver me. Listen, God has promised us one thing, that if we put our faith and our trust in the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, he has us for all of eternity, that this world can do nothing to us that's going to harm us in our relationship with him. And listen, if, if you've got the faith and courage like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're looking at that fire and you're going, okay, I'm not compromising because I know who I am in Christ. I know what he's done and I know his power. I know his greatness. And if you throw me in that furnace and he doesn't deliver me, I get to go home. You're going to send, that's going to be the doorway to an incredibly better place. But he, he has the power to pull me out of that. Listen, he has the power to do anything he wants. But sometimes we got to go in the fire. Because it's not just me that God is concerned about. See, when I, when I, when I face those difficult times... I get, I get real personal with it. I'm like, God, I need you to help me. God, I need, what about me? God, hey, watch out for me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How, how about helping me? And may God say, I'm doing something so much bigger in you. That I'm giving you faith and I'm giving you courage to stand in this. But I'm also doing something so much bigger through you. Because the people need to see the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God. And this is their response. This is their, the attitude behind their response. Well, well this, um, this infuriated King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, King Nebi, was, he was hot. And he was so hot, he decided he wanted the furnace hotter. So he stokes it up, has them stoke it up seven times hotter than normal. You know, I don't know, they didn't have the pressure gauges in, 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 in that time, but I can just see one guy over by the furnace just pumping air into it, going, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. You know, and it's like, you know, you see the flames coming out, and just, I just, I just think, it's, okay, my mind just works weird, okay? But I love getting into Scripture, and I love kind of experiencing what's going on. And so they, 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 they stoke up this fire, this furnace, seven times hotter than it normally is. And so they, they tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they start walking them up. As they're walking up, the guards that are escorting them to the furnace die from the heat. That's hot. You know what's interesting about that? Sometimes the people you think are walking with you, they're not going to be able to stand the heat. And I, I, I would just a side note here, I would check your community. 
I would check the people who are walking beside you because they may not be able to stand the heat. And listen, those guards that were escorting them, they were not in the promises of God. They were not in Christ. And there's no way. Listen, when I'm going through something difficult, I want godly counsel. I want people who are going to press in with faith just as hard as I'm going to press in with faith. I don't want people who are going to wimp out in faith because when we start getting close to that heat, I need to know that they're going to be able to stand with me. So they, they go up there and they, they end up in the furnace. They're in it. And, and I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going king, through King Nebuchadnezzar's mind right now, but I can tell you what is getting ready to happen. He says he looks and these men were walking around inside the furnace. And not only that, he sees a fourth in there with him. I mean, he, he looks, he says uh, he was astonished. And he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth, like this, is like a son of the gods. Well, I can tell you who it was. I mean, I don't think you need to be a rocket genius, right, to be able to get there. I mean, we're reading scripture and they said, our God can deliver us. You know what's great? He's in the fire with us. I mean, that, right there is where we get the song, there's another in the fire. Sometimes we're going to have to go into the fire, but he says, I'm with you. They're walking around the furnace. Can, I, can you imagine the conversation? I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he attributed that to an angel, but he says, it looks like a son of God. It's shining. And so is this, is this like a, is like a, is this like a pre-incarnate Jesus where, where he appears in there with them? Either that or an angel. An angel's representing the glory of God. Can you imagine the conversation they're having in there? I mean, they went in bound, but it burned off the, 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 the bindings. But everything else, they're fine. And they were probably, it was probably like skydiving for the first time. You know, it's like, this is scary, but this is cool. Like, hey. Hey, Shadrach, you feeling the heat? I ain't feeling nothing. I mean, this, anybody got any sunblock? I mean, I can just imagine the conversation they're having. But I think they were probably in awe because the glory of God is surrounding them in the fire. Sometimes the most dangerous place to be is outside of the furnace without God because we see here the safest place to be is in the most dangerous place to be in his hand. And so they're walking around. And then all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's like, get him out, get him out. I got to find out what's going on. So he calls them out. They come out, they come out, and they get out. He said, get over here. And, he, and then it says, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together. So all of these officials gather and listen to this. Saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their head was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. They walked through the fire and didn't even smell like smoke. Can, do you just, can you see the power of God in that? That the faith and the courage that they had to stand up. And listen, the end result was not because they were so good. It's because God is so good. 
and, and, and we see this in Scripture because God is getting ready to do something. Look at King Nebuchadnezzar's response. <clears throat> he answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. They were brought into a culture that was trying to take <coughs> everything of God out of them. And yet they had the faith <clears throat> and the courage to stand up even when the fire was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Their attitude was, look, God is able to do anything. God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, that's not the direction I'm going to choose. That's not the way I'm going to go. We're going to stand on who God is. And listen, there is no greater name. They stood on their names. God is gracious. Jehovah is gracious. Jehovah is my helper. Who is like God? They, that wasn't just a name. They stood on that as the foundation of their identity in Christ. They knew God's faithfulness. They had experienced God's faithfulness. And listen, for you and I, we, we live in a culture, and, and culture seems to change, but I really don't think it changes that much. I think it, a culture kind of repackages ways to get us to walk away from God. I mean, I just go with what, what we learn in Scripture, that nothing has seized you except what is common to man. So the enemy, he, he's a liar, and he's going to continue to repackage the same lie in different paper. And he's, he's, he's moving and working in the culture, and our culture never kind of just brings us automatically into a relationship with Jesus. Listen, we live in Texas. Just being in Texas doesn't mean that we, we're a Christian. We live in America. That doesn't mean we're a Christian. It takes placing ourselves into the mercy and grace of Jesus and calling on him as Lord and Savior. That's where that identity comes from because then we're found in Christ and that label, that, that name, that, that identity of Christian, that's the greatest name and identity over anything culture can throw at us. And when we start looking, okay, so how would we measure up in that? When I look at, when I look at these three men, and I, I kind of see some things that we need, to, we need to learn from this. Why is this story in the Bible? It's not because they're the heroes. It's because God is the hero. And if I'm going to place my life in Christ and for God to be my Lord, then I've got to understand and take away some things from this. And the first thing is, this, before we get into the fire, we've got, to, we've got to know that our foundation is in Christ. Jesus would speak about this in his ministry. He said, look, the, the wise man would build his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. When the storms came and the wind came, then what happened is the man who built his house on the sand lost everything. Everything was washed away. But the man who built his house on the rock, it stood the test. That foundation, that rock, that is Jesus Christ. Paul would write to the church in Ephesus that Jesus is this chief cornerstone that there's this foundation of faith that is built on the apostles with Jesus being the chief cornerstone and you and I are being built into that. That in Christ, we have a solid foundation. We have a hope. We have someone who has overcome. And you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knowing the faithfulness of God. Why? Because it had been passed down. They were 
They were from, from Israel. They, they had heard the stories. They, they had heard that God had rescued them out of Egypt. They had heard God's promise and his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Joseph. They'd seen everything. They, they, their parents had shared that. Faith had been poured into them. And listen, faith has to come from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And our foundation is faith. It's faith in Christ to give us something strong to stand on so that we can hold on to our faith, even in a foreign land. Because you and I, if you're a Christ father, follower, listen to me. We're not citizens of this earth. We're declared citizens of heaven. We're sojourners. We're just passing through this world. This is not our permanent home. And we, we're to reflect the culture and the kingdom of heaven more than we reflect the culture around us. Now listen, we've got to be aware of it. <coughs> Learn it, understand it. It doesn't mean we bury our head in the sand and just wait for Jesus to come because we got work to do. But we know that our foundation isn't, for us, see, for us, we can easily go, well, yeah, if somebody put a 90-foot statue in front of me, I would know the difference. But we have things put in front of us every day that the enemy is constantly tempting us. Bow down to that. Serve that. Put your affection on that. Set your hope in that. And I, I just want to call us back to the foundation who is Jesus Christ. He is the firm foundation. And we hold that, that heart. But even if he doesn't, he's still good. Because this, the storm of divorce, the storm of cancer, the storm of unemployment, the storm of, of, of money trouble, the storm of all, those storms cannot shake the foundation who is Jesus Christ. Because our attitude is he's, he's good enough, he's big enough, he'll deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I'll take on the attitude of Paul. To live as Christ, okay? He delivers me, I'm going to keep living for Christ. He doesn't deliver me, I die, I go home. That's gain. Either way, I win. Because God's working in me. God's got me. He's the victor. He is the one who's overcome. So he's got this. And so our foundation is in Christ. And listen, there's some pre-thought that we got to put into this. It's drawing your lines before the fire starts. Right? So it's pre-decision. When you go back to chapter 1 of Daniel, you see that these men had already made decisions and they'd set some boundaries around diets, around their prayer, everything. So they made some pre-decisions and they had already determined, hey, we're being conquered by Babylon. We're going to be taken into captivity, but I'm not letting go of God. God may be taking me in a direction that I don't want to go and that I never planned to go, but I'm not giving up on God. And, and, and I'm not going I'm not, I'm to hold that line. And listen, we talk about it with our kids in dating, right? You know, you set your lines before you get in the car. You, you, you set those boundaries. You know, one of the things that I've talked about before is pregret, right? We all make decisions. We look back and we regret those decisions. Well, I've started praying, God, give me pregret. Before I even make the decision, I want to regret a decision that I might make before I make it so I don't make it. Does that make sense? You can play it back. <laughs> but we start, these are my lines. I, God, I, I, I'm yours, and I'm not compromising that. And when, here's the thing. When you, when you draw those lines before the fire starts, you make decisions based on his wisdom and his peace instead of our whims. You know, you get a job offer. Should I take that job? Well, we've already made some decisions that, 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 that 
our family, will, we want to experience this. This is the way our family goes. And that job, that's not going to get us, our family, where we need to go. That'll pay bills, but that's not going to get our family where it needs to go. So maybe we don't take that job. Maybe we stay in the job we're in. You know, I, I, I get to counsel people who are praying about moves and everything. And, and I would say God's never going to ask you to move somewhere where you're going to fall out of church and we're going to start walking away from him. And so you start making decisions. You make those faith decisions based on the foundation of Christ before you get into the fiery situation so that when the fire starts and that tangible heat starts coming in, you've already made your decision. The fire's not going to change my mind. The heat's not changing my mind. I've already made up my mind, and my mind is made up on the foundation who is Jesus Christ. And I start to set that up. So, you know, I do this. I'll play out, I play out scenarios before they even happen. I mean, Heather gets so tickled at me because, you know, I'll, I'll go into a meeting and I'll have like three outcomes in my mind ready to roll. You know, I'm already kind of pre-decision, pre-making decisions, you know, pre-regretting things that I could say. Um, and just, I'm not going to say that. No matter where it goes, this is, I'm not going to go there. You know, you, have, you know you've had you those difficult meetings. Well, I go into those difficult meetings, no matter what they say, I'm going to do this in kindness and love and in everything I can to glorify God through this conversation. I've pre-made that decision before we get into that meeting. So no matter what they say and no matter what buttons they try to push, I've already made my decisions. And I think a lot of us could benefit from that because then we can hold on to the heart of heaven. Um, and then, then this, is just, this is just how they were. This was how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. They went with a different flow. I mean, think about it. They, they, the flow took them out of their homeland into captivity, but yet they went upstream. And sometimes, listen, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable because we end up going against the current. Because if we live in a world that is broken and fallen and sin has, has caused that and every one of us are born into sin, we're born into a current of sin and that's going to take us one way. But Jesus saves us out of that. He redeems us in that and then starts to move us in a different flow. Now, we're still in the world. I mean, Jesus said, I've chosen you out of the world. In John 15, he says, I've chosen you out of the world. I pulled you out of the world. But, but you're still in the world. So you, it's this idea of you're in the world, but not of the world, right? I live here, but this isn't my home. And, and I go with a different flow. And sometimes that's going to, that's going to be countercultural. But it doesn't mean I've got to be a jerk about it. If you go back, they were respectful, Right? They were respectful in their, in their encounter with the king. They weren't being, they weren't being religious jerks. They weren't, being, being, they, they, were, they weren't trying to be the hero. They were just being very matter of fact. You're asking us to do something we've already made a decision we're not willing to do. We're not bowing down. Yeah, that's going against the flow because when, when the pressure's on to get us to follow in one thing, but we know this is not the heart of God and this is not God's plan and design for us, then we've got to go with a different flow. And maybe it's not bowing down to an, to an idol. Maybe it's giving in to the pressure of people around you, which I would say go back. Because are the people walking around you, when that fire starts happening, are they going to be able to make it? And you want people connected with you 
that are moving in that same flow. It's that important. Because you and I have a purpose in this life. See, God says, I've saved you, I've redeemed you in the world, but I've left you in it. Why? Because he wants to do something in us, to do something through us. And he doesn't call us to compromise. He doesn't call us to change. And this, 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 this is Old Testament. Some people go, well, what about New Testament? Happened in the New Testament, Acts chapter 5. After the resurrection of Jesus, you've got the apostles preaching the resurrected Jesus. They get arrested. They get imprisoned. They bring them in and they, they say, we command you to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop preaching. And they say, we, we can't. This is who we are. I can't compromise because, see, compromise doesn't work in idolatry. We can't, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You can't bow down to the whims of culture and to the things that get presented to us as idols and follow Jesus. He said, it's just that simple. And I love that he makes it simple because he wants to do something. He's called us not to compromise. He's called us to stand on him and his word and his foundation and his hope and his grace. And listen, God used three men to turn the heart of a king. Not because those three men were good, but because God is good. And God's put you in situations where he wants to work in you and wants to work through you by the power of Holy Spirit The Spirit of God will give you the courage to stand and the faith to stand in those moments. Just listen to Him. He'll give you the words to say. Jesus said, don't worry when you're brought in front of kings and rulers and authorities because the Holy Spirit will give you the words in that moment. Listen, if we're saying, God, this is what's coming and God, I know that I'm making my decision to stand for you and I will not bow down and I will not compromise and when I get called out, I trust that you and you alone will give me the words to speak and listen, those words are going to speak life because there is a world that so desperately needs to get out of the current that's continuing to take them into brokenness and despair. They need the hope that only comes from the current of the flow of the blood of Jesus that he gave on the cross, that he poured out for you, that he gave so that we could break this cycle of sin, so that we don't have to bow down to things that are inferior, so we don't have to settle for anything that's going to continue to leave us wanting more. But he and he alone is what satisfies. And the Holy Spirit will give you that courage and give you those words So you can stand up. And when we stand in the power of the Holy Spirit with faith and courage, I know that we will overcome. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you you are over everything. And we thank you that you are at work in us to show your greatness, not our greatness, your greatness to the world around us. God, you've placed us where we are for the purpose of reflecting your glory to a world that desperately needs to see you. Thank you for choosing to work through us. Thank you for choosing to work through these three men who would stand on their identity that, that God, you are gracious, that, God, you are our helper, and, God, there is no one like you. And we thank you that you, God, for us today are gracious are helping us because no one is like you. 
we will only bow down to you because you and you alone are worthy. I'm asking you to give us the faith and the courage to stand in our life in a way that makes Jesus clear and people turn to you so that they see what you do through us and they say, blessed be God because you're the one worthy. We love you and we pray all this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all.